Welcome to Job Tales, the show where we find out about different professions from the people who know. Each week I speak to a new guest with a very interesting job. You'll hear about their personal path to doing what they do, the skills that are required and the tools they use for the job. They say that being a church minister is a vocation. I dare say that it is first and foremost a full-time job with a salary, a set of responsibilities and a career path. I looked at LinkedIn and in the US alone there are over a thousand pastor jobs published. I have the privilege of interviewing Reverend Lawrence from the Church of Scotland in Geneva to understand what his job entails and what he recommends to the young generation. And here we are with uh, Reverend Lawrence. Thank you so much, Lawrence, for being a guest at my podcast. I am very honored and uh, it's a very special occasion because I would love for the listeners to have your experience as a reverend and your job and understanding what is your job about and how did you start? Okay. I mean, how did I start to be a minister? Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Well, minister. Yeah. It's a kind of odd story. You know, people sometimes say to me, um, so does you always want to be a minister? You know, like kids say, or when they grow up, I want to be a doctor, I want to be a footballer. Well, I never actually wanted to be a minister. And in fact, I kind of put it off as long as I could because I didn't really fancy a job where you have to be nice to people all the time and you never get rich and you've got to be good <laughs> all the time. I mean, who wants that? Anyway, however, so, but when I was about 16 or 17, I had this gut feeling that this was kind of what I should be doing. I, I was involved in the life of the church. That's always a starting point for it, really, I think. Anyway, when I went to yeah. university, I, I said, I'm not going to study divinity. I want to put this off as long as I can. So I did uh, modern history and moral fill. And then 20, age of 21, I was finished and I had to decide what to do next. And I just had this, I mean, it's really, I know it sounds odd, but I just had this gut feeling that if I did anything different, it wouldn't be the right thing for me. And so somewhat reluctantly, I, I went to study theology at Edinburgh University and then just went on, on the kind of train line, as it were, to being a minister after that. So I, I was kind of reluctant, but also kind of sure that it was what I, I, I needed to do with my life. And I know that sounds really bizarre to folk, and it sounds bizarre to me too, because, you know, I'm a, like a normal person who does that. But anyway, that's, that's how it was, Laura, to be honest. It's fascinating, yeah, because, you know, we think of jobs as, you know, you, you get a profession of some kind and you did, you know, you grow into a career or, or not. And then it's, but really being a, a reverend, being a minister is a full-time job. You know, in a minute, I will ask you more in the details of this job. But so do you think that, um, you know, if you hadn't become a minister, what would you have done? That's easy, really. I was, I was fancying journalism, really, would, be, would have been my first choice. And then, strangely, okay. uh, after that, probably something in marketing, perhaps. Uh, when, I, when I finished it, uh, doing my first degree, I went to the careers officer at the university because I wanted a choice not to be a minister. And I went to him and I said, look, I'm looking for a job where <laughs> I, I, you know, you're dealing with people and I don't really care if I make too much money, but I'd like to, it to be kind of significant in some way. I'd like it to be creative, a chance to be creative. And I don't really want to work in an office where I'm nine to five, same place every day of the week. And he said, so what are your interests? I said, well, I, I run a church youth club. He said, have you ever thought of being a minister? <laughs> I said, oh, no, not you as well. So, um, yeah. <laughs> not that again. <laughs> that, exactly. And, and I, had, I had the chance of a job in, in the marketing department of Procter & Gamble when I finished university. But I had to decide 
divinity theology or or marketing and uh so i i went for my gut feeling and uh, and here i am 40 mm. odd years later yeah the gut and the gut feeling and yeah, um, yeah. and so what was drawing you to the minister you know to becoming a minister people talk about a sense of vocation and i don't think just ministers or priests have a vocation i think you know many many people are drawn by whatever it is that they whether it's nursing or teaching or, or whatever so i don't want to make it anything too kind of obscure and, and weird but it, it just was this very strong inner conviction that this was what, what i should do with my life because i mean i, I was a boy or a young man of faith and yeah i just wanted to take it further and be involved in that whole business of sharing that story with people and also sharing in their lives at really crucial key moments which has been the, the you know a huge privilege yeah and then because i imagine that other people might be in your position today you know trying to decide whether they want to be ministers or not what was make you hesitant towards the job well i honestly it sounded like i was joking when i said you know you know who wants to have to be nice to people all the time and uh, and uh, be a good person all the time because that seems to be part of the job description i guess and who wants not to get rich so you know these were all disincentives um now having said all that i can honestly yeah. say and this is true there's not a single thing in my life that i would want to have done that i haven't been able to do although i never i never you know here i'm living in geneva and you know, surrounded by loveliness and uh, yeah. It's, so all the things I thought I wouldn't, I would miss out on, A, it turned out to be things I didn't really mind missing out on, you know, who wants to be nasty and horrible and unkind to people. And yeah, yeah. it's been better than, better than okay. It's been great. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. So how would you define your job? In okay. a few words. Right. Okay. I think it's, it's my job to, to tell the story of faith to people and help them to grow in their faith, I guess, and also to mm -hmm. help people who need you at a particular crisis point in their life. And, you know, I hinted at this before, but it's, it's such a rare and wonderful privilege when people have a baby and they want to celebrate that and they want a, a kind of ritual to help them to do that. You're part of that. When people fall in love with somebody and want to spend the rest of their life with them, you're privileged to share a little bit of that journey with them and, and make the day that's so special to them really special. Uh, when people are fragile and vulnerable and lying in a hospital bed or they've had bad news or they've been betrayed by someone and they want to talk about that with someone who'll listen, you're privileged to walk that bit with them. And then at the very end, when people are, are dying or people you love have died and your heart's broken and you don't know you know what to do it's agonizing but it's wonderful as a privilege for people to to share that and, and for you to help them through that a bit yeah no it's wonderful yeah for sure and let's say if i wanted to look into a typical day of work hmm. is there like a, a typical day that you can describe yeah well that's interesting is there a typical day there's well there's one day that's a given okay uh the leading of worship in church on a sunday is is both the the place where people right. are helped to to grow and where people have a bit of space to to think through their life and and also things to celebrate and give thanks for so it's really important that the the worship side on a sunday 
goes well. So you have to do all the preparation for that so that when people come along, they say, wow, I never thought of that before or oh, that was really helpful or oh, I just love that hymn, it just lifted my spirit, you know, whatever. That's, and, and that's also the short window for the church when people are being introduced to what it's all about. They come along to church and if it's boring or censorious or <laughs> judgmental or flat, they're not going to come back. So so that's a really important part. So a lot of my initial focus of the week focuses on getting that bit right and other services. Mm. We have a service on a Wednesday as well. Okay, so that's that. So that involves thinking, uh, writing, speaking, and, you know, you've got to work work at both. These don't just fall out the sky. You've got to work at that. That's a bit of craftsmanship. I mean, I've been doing this for 40-odd 40, 40 years and mm. it's still a wonderfully privilege to be able to be that creative and share it with other people. So, so that's good. But also, you know, there are people who are lonely at home, housebound, don't see many people. It's my job to take the, the care and the love of the church to them. There are uh, people in hospital who are worried about operations or they've had bad news and want to share that with someone who will get alongside them and spend time with them. There are new people coming into Geneva who, who are a bit lost, so it's an opportunity to, to connect with them and make them feel included. So the, 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 you know that, that all takes shape in the day. People phone you up and say, can you come and meet me for lunch? I've got something I need to talk over with you. So flexibility, and I should have said that mm. actually right at the beginning when I was talking to the careers officer, you know, something I like about being a minister is yeah. no day is the same. No day is, you know, no days the same. Yeah. You, you don't know what the phone's going to ring and you don't know who it is or what it is. And that's very exciting and stimulating. Yes, absolutely. And do you actually get to travel? Because I can imagine, you know, a little bit like a diplomatic career, you, you do get sent to missions and to sites that maybe you don't necessarily choose or maybe you can. Uh, it's something I've always, always been curious about because you, you don't come from Geneva, right? And then yeah. yet you are in Geneva and you've been doing for, for, for many years, you've been in Geneva. So how does it work? Yeah, well, it's funny you should say that because... Um, there is actually has been recently a lot more of that than than I maybe uh, would have thought or imagined. For example, the, there's a Church of Scotland, which is the church that I belong to, in Paris, and they don't have a minister just now. So another minister has to look after them and arrange things for them so that everything continues to function and work. So these people are called interim moderators, and I, since I've been in Geneva, I've had to do that for Lausanne, when they were without a minister, and then later on in Paris, mm. when they were without a minister. So I'm just back this weekend, actually. I was over there taking the service and meeting the congregation and reassuring them that you know things were moving forward. So that's been an interesting dimension. And, of course, there, in international uh, churches, there are about 11 different churches from Rome to Budapest to Rotterdam, Amsterdam, Bermuda, uh, Malta, and so on. And right. twice a year, we, we meet in one of those one of those locations for, you might call it a conference and, and a general yeah. team building thing. That's been an added dimension, which didn't happen all that often when I was back in Scotland, it must be said. But uh, yeah, so that's been a new dimension. And then from Scotland, so you you finished your studies in Scotland, and then uh, what do you where, where did you work first? Did you stay in Scotland first? Yeah, oh yeah, I, I was in Scotland most of my time as a working minister. Uh, I, I did a an in, a okay. probationary internship 
in a big church in, in the centre of Edinburgh. And then I went to my own congregations just uh, 27 miles outside of Edinburgh on the coast. It's a place called Dunbar, a place called Belhaven, actually, which if you're ever in Scotland, you'll hear about Belhaven because it's a famous brand of beer. Uh, the breweries okay. was 200 metres from my house. Anyway, so I was there for a very long time and had a wonderful <laughs> experience living in a in a, a real community and being part of that so that by the time I was finished, I was baptising the children whose grandparents I'd married. So you do the math, that's a long time, 38 years <laughs> ago. And, uh, yeah. and that oh, was okay. just, just wonderful to to be embraced by a community and be important for them because you've been at their weddings or their granny's funeral or their baby's baptism or their, you know, just a fantastic privilege. Are there any requirements that are requested for the for for the job as a minister? I mean, also, you, you do manage a church. I mean, there are administrative tasks, managerial tasks. Is there something that you learn yeah. while you're doing a job or are you required to study it previously? It varies in different uh, denominations, but in the Church of Scotland, you have to go to university for at least six years and then you come out and you do an internship or probationary period for a year and a quarter, and then then you get your own church and you're kind of let loose upon the, the congregations, as it were. But by that time, you know, you've, you've been, while you're studying, you still are connected to churches and you get involved in their life and see how they work and see how the administration, because there is, there is a lot of that too, which is probably for me the least attractive part of the job, lots of, and, and a lot more since I started, of forms to fill in and courses to go on and everything from health yeah. and safety to, uh, well, obviously child protection and so on. But there was a lot of extra need, stuff that didn't used to be there. Uh, that's you there need now. to do that, yeah. Yeah, and now it is. Okay. Okay, that's that's interesting. And and do you also get to choose your staff, like the people that can help you at church, or yeah, do you hire people? Ah, uh, no, you you're on a very important point there because one of the hardest things I think for people who I mean I've always been a minister, so it's always been the norm for me that you work with, let's just say, volunteers in almost every aspect of your life. You're the only normally kind of paid professional on the spot, so quite a lot of the work and I think yeah. anyone who's thinking about ministry needs to be aware of that quite a lot of the work is diplomatic <laughs> they don't get cd plates but you have to be very mm. diplomatic in dealing with people who are all sorts and all sizes in in a congregation and not an administrative um, structure usually to help you to do that so and that can make it quite an mm -hmm. isolated job you know if you're yeah, that could be that. Yeah. You know, there's no gathering around the water cooler for a chat about the football last night because there's no other colleague around. You you set your own timetable, <laughs> right. you set your own agenda, you decide your own priorities, mm. you make your own mistakes, and that some people, if they come from an, a normal inverted commas working environment, they find that quite hard to cope with, and. You know, you can't just go to HR and say, can you fix this? Or go to the techie department <laughs> and say, can you come and sort this out? Or I need you, you know, that's not like that. It's it's just one person, largely. 
Other churches do have like a one man show, and yeah, yeah. yeah. And you, you you do get uh, do you do you get to exchange uh, you know professional experience with a fellow ministers maybe during the conventions you mentioned? Very much so, and also when we study, you know, well in my year there'd be maybe twenty five, twenty six other people in my in my year, and you become friends with several of those. And they continue mm. to be your friends all those years later. So, for example, every every Monday, I have a conversation with a colleague in Scotland, and we tend not to talk about gardening or or the best film that we saw this week, but we talk about the church right. and how it's going and how it's going <laughs> in this situation and and who's driving us up the wall and uh, yeah yeah it's uh, so that that kind of collegiate thing is there. But also, as you say, at the the gatherings across Europe, we do support one another very much. Yeah, that's, that's beautiful. And, you know, talking about skills, you know, and talking about hard skills and soft skills, you know, you were mentioning uh, before that you need to be a good person. And like, can you tell me a bit more about those skills that you've seen, you know, in 40 years of experience that are really good and important and some that are necessary? And, you know, like what kind of profile should you have in order to be happy at this job? I mean, I think I think it is a bit of a, a danger for or a possibility of misunderstanding when I say you know you have to be a good person because you know which of us is a good person. However, the bottom line is, um, if you're standing up in a pulpit and you're talking to people about how faith makes a difference, and you're not a very nice person because you've got a bad temper or you're dogmatic or you're <laughs> impatient or you're intolerant or you're narrow-minded, people are not going to listen to you. Well, they might listen to you, but they're not going to they're not going to Mm. pay attention to you so there's got to be a bit of integrity there that you 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 kind of you are what you speak yeah. or at least you're trying to be what you speak so so i think there is a a, a correlation between yeah. the kind of person you are if you're someone that flies off the handle very easily or somebody that expects things to be done you know straight away in a world of volunteers and you've got no empathy you're going to find it tough yeah. um, and and also tough. and also yeah. when you get close to people in in trouble, you know, if you're, and this is ironic because I'm doing this exact thing, but if you're talking about yourself all the time and not listening to what they're saying, <laughs> you're not going to be much use to them. So, yeah, mm. there's there's certain personality traits, you know, someone warm or, or withdrawn. If you're, if you're withdrawn, you're going to find it hard. If you don't actually like people and they just annoy you, get another job. <laughs> <laughs> Can you actually, can you resign? You know, that makes me think, oh. you know. <laughs> oh, yes, you can, can you resign. resign from your job? Yes, it's okay, yes, guys, I, I realize it's not for me. You can resign, yes, absolutely. It's not like becoming you a can. priest where you, where you okay. kind of uh, okay. are, are locked in a bit more. Well, they can resign too. What kind of personal, I mean, I have to tell you this, I know a lot of ministers and they're, they're all different and they're all a mixture of grey, black and white in terms of their thinking and, and, and their personalities. So there is no no ideal template. And anyone who thinks they are, by the way, is probably in the wrong job as well. Because if you think you're fitting the template, then you've already revealed that you're not fitting mm. the template because you've, you've misunderstood it. So, <laughs> And also I think you have to be quite strong, quite strong in, in your own kind of personality. Because, you know, I'll tell you, the worst thing about the job, okay, let's be honest, for me, the worst thing about the job is mm -hmm. dealing with grief. Yes. Okay. And and I know when I go mm. and knock at a door, all the people behind that door are really, really sad and really, really 
upset and maybe even really angry at what's happened. And yeah. it's a bit like going into a lion's den sometimes. And because people are, are A is thinking, well, actually, some are thinking, your God's done this to me. You know, they're not, because mm. not, not all the people whose grief I connect with are necessarily profound believers. It could just be people that live nearby and they need a minister to do a funeral. So they've got all sorts of stuff going on inside themselves that make it um, a hard place to go, a hard place to go. And, and so you have to have a bit of resilience, I think, to get on with doing that. Yeah, for those hard times. Yeah, for sure. And on that note, you know, is there any compromise that you need to be prepared to make for your profession? Yes, 100%. That's a very wise question, if I may say so, in that, you know, when, when I started, I was this fresh-faced, eager, just fresh out of college, had done all the theology, knew lots of answers to lots of questions, I thought. And, and at that time in my ministry, I was a lot less kind. I was, you know, I, I mistook being right as being the important thing, not being mm. kind as being the important thing. And so I've learned over the years, and I thank God for that, to become more more broad, more generous, more tolerant, more aware that the important thing is the people. The important thing is the people. And and if I have to rein back on some of my certainties and some of my opinions in order to help people, then that's that's the priority. That's the priority. And if I had my time over again, yeah. I'd like to have been that person 40 years ago. Although, although other people say I've just slipped down a slippery slope of wishy-washiness, but no, I think it's uh, it's to do with realizing it's it's really all about the people. It's not about the rules. Yeah. And what are you most proud of today? Forty years right. in the job. Okay. Well, uh, what am I most proud of? Well, you know how I said in any in any congregation, there's a whole kind of range of people, a spectrum of people of ideas, people who are high church, people who are low church, people who are sophisticated musicians, people who like rumty tumty tum tunes, uh, people who are very uh, conservative, people who are very liberal, and you know, for all of my ministry, I have so far managed to hold those disparate groups of people together. To, well, I have, I've had a part to play in holding those that disparate group of people together in a kind of unity and fellowship and loving family feeling. And I feel really glad about that. I mean, obviously, there's some people don't like what you do enough to say, well, cheerio, I'm off. But generally speaking, holding that <laughs> broad church and making it work, I mean, it's not... It's not me that does it, it's, you know, to use your phrase, it's God that does it. But, um, you know, I've got a part to play in that. And uh, I'm very happy about that. I look back with that with uh, a lot of satisfaction, I think. If you had a message that you could convey to a young man or woman that, um, uh, you know, would like to become a minister, what would you say? Well, I would say, and I, I say this on, in all honesty, I think it's the best job in the world you know you're never you know, I say you're never going to get rich doing it but to be able to spend time on the eternal verities as it were to be paid to think about these things and to write about them and to speak about mm -hmm. them point one and also to have this amazing entry into people's stories you know 
people tell have told me things that they've never told anybody else in the world. Okay, either because they were embarrassed mm. by them or ashamed of them or or frightened of them or whatever. But in the in the trust of that relationship, they have literally bared their soul, and and that's been liberating for them and a, and and an, an enormous privilege for me and. So I, I put all that together and I say, if you're thinking about being a minister, first of all, there's a crying need for them. There's a terrible shortage of them. And secondly, yeah. you would be, if you became a minister, embracing and being embraced by just a wonderful, privileged position and experience. Thank you, Lawrence. It's been very enlightening. <laughs> wonderful. And I wish you all the best for the Thank rest you. of your career. And, you. Uh, uh, you know... Um, I, hopefully you can inspire many more people like you've been doing till now. Well, thank you for inviting me to be on the podcast. And it's been great. You ask great questions. I have to say that. Great questions. Thank you. Thank you. Thank okay. you. Roger and out. That was Reverend Lawrence, Minister at the Church of Scotland in Geneva. Please write a comment or a rating on your favorite podcast player. It will help me improve my next episodes. You can write me directly at jobtalespodcast at gmail.com. Stay tuned for next episode next week.